This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. All right, welcome back to... Main Corpse. All right, I'm Matt. And I'm Kelsey. And today we're going to focus on our part two on the Zodiac Killer. And I am so freaking excited. Oh, good job. Did you hear that? I'm yeah. so freaking excited to tell you guys about these updates. Because let me give you just a quick like preview of what you're about to hear about. You're going to hear about a posse of assassins that operated out of a small town in California and could potentially be connected to the Zodiac Killer. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, then. This is going to get interesting because it always gets extra freaking weird when I'm around. I want so, a beat button every time yeah, you swear. Yeah, I, I said freaking. Yeah, you did. I'm really proud of you. I've caught myself twice. Instead of the F word, I said the freak word. Uh, so feeling good about it's that. So much better. It really is. <laughs> it, uh, it feels better. I'm not gonna lie. So before we get started, we have delicious, delicious coffees because we have a special dessert episode. This is, I think, the second one we've done where we did a dessert, yeah. and the first time was also donuts, where we just did a dessert. So I was so. thinking about that. Um, I was going to suggest we do this for this episode, and I was like, ah, oh, no, we already did donuts from Sweet Nana's, and they're just going to think, we in West Virginia, all we have is donuts. There are other things. <laughs> um, there, there are I other promise. things, but... I don't want to drive to Morgantown to get Sugar Bar, although we Ooh. should totally go to Morgantown Ooh. and get Sugar Bar. Yeah, we should. You know what we could do? We could just go to Morgantown and, uh, like, one day when it's warm and just go get a couple things. And we can just record outside, like, sit at a park bench or something and just record there. People will look at us weird, but we could do it. I've done it before. So I was going to say that. people uh, think I'm weird anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So, the donuts that we have here. So, I'm going to go ahead and move one of each over here to my plate. And you can just take this one. All right. Sounds good. And then I'll go over what flavors we have here. And I plan on trying every single one of them. So, Dude, same. Yeah, because they all look really good. That one's going to taste weird with your coffee. Yeah, it's all right. So <laughs> we both have, uh, we ended up getting six different flavors of donuts. So the place we chose today is Old Town Donuts out of Grafton, West Virginia. So this place is actually currently run out of Jerry's Restaurant. They're only open, I believe, Thursday through Sunday right now. But very soon they're opening their own coffee, coffee shop slash donut place uh, right in the middle of downtown Grafton. And I'm super stoked on it because I, I really like their donuts. They're, they're very, very interesting. So Kelsey pointed out earlier they are cake donuts. Yes. Uh, not bread donuts. So they are all um, given some wild toppings. So do you just want to go one by one and I'll tell them what we're trying? Yeah. You try that? Okay, cool. So, let's go number one with the raspberry chocolate and that's chip. that's this guy. Yeah. So, just so you know, this is a eh, brown-looking cake donut. 
Uh, not, I'm not sure what other color they are. But, um, it's just a regular like, just a cake donut. Cake donut yeah, and, it's and it's topped with, uh, yeah. looks like ganache, chocolate chips, and a raspberry, like, almost a raspberry coulis on top. I don't yeah. know if she gets that fancy, but I'm fancy, so. Mm. Oh, it's really good. Mm-hmm. The texture's really good. It's not kind of dry like some cake donuts get. Yeah, exactly. It's nice, and I'm going to yeah, say the word really and watch everybody cringe. Moist. They're very, very moist. moist. Extra moist. And, um, moist, the, uh, if you will. They're very yeah, good. Yeah, the toppings. Mm-hmm. Like, it actually tastes like chocolate. Yeah. Um, which is maybe where the uh, the chocolate chips come in to give it, like, that extra kick. But, uh, man, this is really good. Mm-hmm. I really dig that. I'm so, going to move on to the vanilla coconut that's number four on the list because the flavor profile will work that better that way. Cool. So let's move to vanilla coconuts. Yeah. So that's just like the same base mm-hmm. donut, but it's got um, a white icing. Yep. That I assume is flavored with vanilla mm-hmm. and um, sweetened um, coconut. coconut shreds. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's really basic, but it's really good. I mean, I would buy it again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So probably lemon coconut next, you think? Yep, lemon coconut next. Okay, so lemon coconut. And that, I'm going to guess, just has lemon in that white frosting. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. It's exactly like the vanilla coconut, mm-hmm. but better. <laughs> because it's got a little... It is so much better. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what happens. Put a pineapple in there, and yep. just it's a pina colada, and it would be so. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm gonna tell. So what's really cool about Old Town Donuts? They are super receptive to talking to people about what they should do with their donuts. I'm gonna tell them exactly that. I'm gonna say, you give me one of those and put some pineapple on top of it too. Even if it's just like the mm. candied pineapple, and you yeah. shave it on top, that would just make oh, it. Oh, it would just wake it up, right? Yeah, it would. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that one. It is crazy how different that tastes than the first one, uh, with just a little bit of lemon added in. So you think Samoa next? Oh yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be. Are we favorite. allowed to call them Samoas? They aren't like trademarked or something. I mean, they do. <laughs> so <laughs> I would, uh, not the Girl Scouts, Samoa. Mm. Oh, I love it. It has the the chocolate ganache on it and the shaved coconut, but this one has caramel on it, and mm-hmm. it is caramel. There are two A's in it. Thank yeah. you very much. Yep, I agree. Caramel. Uh, see, that's why we're uh, friends. That and we've married the same person, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brittany, <laughs> Brittany is my Michael, and Michael is her Brittany. So... That's uh, that's a fact. I hear <laughs> and them, I, I hear Michael's them, mad. I hear them yelling in the other room right now because they're they're literally playing uh, Super, Super Mario. Mario Brothers, and uh, it's amazing to go in there and watch <laughs> them play it. So yeah, wow. Okay, so so far I'm very impressed overall. So we have two more left, mm-hmm. and we have uh, peanut butter cup and chocolate peppermint crunch. What do you think next? I'm gonna do peanut butter cup and then the Let's chocolate peppermint. No, I'm fine. I'm following your lead on this one. My mm. mouth is super full. This one has, like, a peanut butter icing and then, like, a drizzle of chocolate, and it's got chopped peanut butter cups on it. And they're the teeny tiny ones that you find, like, in mm-hmm. moose tracks and stuff. And I don't know what it is about those teeny say, tiny peanut butter oh, cups. Oh, they're better. Yeah. They are. They're amazing. They, like, pop when you eat them. They're mm-hmm. so good. So I'm going to say something about this donut that I really appreciate. I am a peanut butter fanatic. Okay. And it feels like wherever I go and I get peanut butter um, on a donut, they make they mix it with too much crap and it doesn't taste like peanut butter anymore. It tastes that, like slightly peanut butter flavored confectioner. Exactly. Sugar. Yeah. That tastes like peanut butter. 
I mean, that literally tastes like it's, I, I think, I mean, there's, it's definitely not just peanut butter. There's something else going on there, but um, it is really, really good. I'm very impressed with that. So, yeah, very happy. Okay. And then this last one, this is super simple. Um, it is, again, chocolate peppermint crunch. It's just there, again, their chocolate ganache. Or no, this is just chocolate icing, isn't it? Oh, this is, this is peppermint bark. Yeah, and that's peppermint bark on top of it. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh-huh. It just tastes like Christmas. Yes, it does. I mean, honestly, it just tastes like Christmas. It's so good. Are these sour cream donuts, by the way? We'd have they're to really, ask her. They're really moist. That's mm-hmm. why I'm thinking they might have sour cream in them. Yeah, this is... So, I've been I've been getting her donuts for, I'm going to say half a year now. About six months I've been mm-hmm. stopping there. Um, on the weekends and grabbing a couple donuts just to go with my coffee. And I have been... Just infinitely impressed with the quality and and the consistency. That's what I'm going to say about her. She is consistently good, too. Um, There has not been a drop-off in quality or anything like that. Um, They're very basic, but they're very, very good. Um, And she doesn't seem to skimp on the toppings, either. The other thing that stands out to her about me, I don't think it's extra to get the crazy toppings. Mm -hmm. This costs us... uh, seven dollars for six of these and when you see the picture you're going to ask yourself how the hell did that cost uh seven dollars so what she's doing is she's taking all of the toppings and Mm -hmm. um making it the same price across the board so like say you got the ones with just the coconut on them Mm -hmm. they're going to cost the same as the ones that have like the Reese cups even though they cost significantly less to make that's like Mm -hmm restaurants that do a daily special and their pasta dishes that cost them like 49 cents to make cost the same as like if you were going to get like pork tenderloin or something like that well i appreciate it because everywhere i've gone that has like specialty donuts because i'm a i'm a donut fanatic i just love them clearly based on the amount Um, of donuts we've already yeah i love donuts (laughs) um and and see i thought this would be nice because it is so so different from sweet nana's Mm mm-hmm because hers, it, right? yeah, yeah, and none of hers are the cake donuts. I don't right, believe. none of her are cake donuts. So we, I mean, we're saying donuts, but it's really two completely different experiences when you eat them. Um, they're nowhere near the same. And apparently, Kelsey really appreciated the peppermint crunch because it's gone. Um, well, I looked over and it's just not there, and it was about to be gone for me too. I have peppermint mocha coffee, so it just mm. made sense. There you go, guys. Again. Um, we're going to share a picture so you guys can see what it looks like. Right now, they're operating out of Jerry's Restaurant in Grafton, West Virginia. You can Google that. You'll see exactly where it is. And um, they're definitely open Thursday through Saturday. I'm not sure if they're open on Sunday right now or not. But I know they're about to open their own location, which is going to be super cool to see. Um, you can also pre-order with her, which is really nice. If you see that she's doing like a new special, like she does holiday, Halloween, mm-hmm. um, like Christmas, Halloween, Thanksgiving specials, you can pre-order them and she'll make sure they're available when you get there. So really, really nice. So let's go ahead and get into our next, uh, our next murder, which is going to be part two, like I said before, of the Zodiac Killer. I can't wait any longer because we got to get into this. Woo! So if you remember, where did I leave off last time? Do you remember the murder that I left off last time? You oh, and I both know I don't. Oh, no. okay. So <laughs> Sherry Josephine Bates was the last murder we talked about. So, so to, disappointed I forgot that because the first time you said her names, I went, ah, like Psycho, the Bates <clears throat> Motel. Exactly. 
And I immediately forgot. I said the same thing when I heard her (laughs) name, like, a couple months ago when I first read this story. Because it was actually Kelsey. Because, again, I I would call myself a casual dabbler into the history of the Zodiac. Um, And when you brought it up, she texted me and she said, I think they just solved the Zodiac. Uh, did you read about that? They caught the Zodiac Killer. And I was like, I have got to find the internet right now as quickly as I can and look this up. And I found out it was a little more complicated than that. It always um, is. But it's really, really interesting. So part one, um, if you were annoyed by it because you know everything about the Zodiac, I did not go into anywhere near the amount of detail we could have. I wanted to focus just on the crimes because... I was leading to what we're going to talk about right now, which is the gentleman that they think could be the Zodiac Killer. And it all ties back to a case that has been tied over time to the Zodiac, but never, to my knowledge, officially attributed to him. Um, I've read conflicting reports of that. So I'll say that, to my knowledge, has never been directly attributed to him. And that is the murder of Sherry Josephine Bates. So I ended our last episode with a general overview of her murder. Today, we are going to deep dive this murder. All right. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right. Kelsey is finishing her donuts as we speak. And I might go get seconds because I'm going to wolf these down as soon as I'm done talking. So... Um, I guarantee you Michael and Brittany didn't touch them, so we could probably just go steal them and they wouldn't even notice it. <laughs> they will in an hour <laughs> when they're done trying to get the flying yeah. Yoshi. <laughs> so awesome. Um, we're just going to go in there. The rest of this episode is going to be us recording their frustration <laughs> at that freaking game. Okay. So on the morning of October 30th, 1966. So that's where we are, guys. We are two years prior to the first official Zodiac killing. Um, Bates and her father attended Mass at St. Catherine of Alexandria Catholic Church before the two shared breakfast at a local restaurant. In the early afternoon, Bates decided to visit the local college library to both study and work on her research paper. Um, Bates is believed to have left her house right around 4.30 um, to 5.00. Um, Her father returned home in the evening um, to find a note taped to the family refrigerator that read, Dad went to RCC Library. So she went to Mass in the morning, went to breakfast, went home, and decided she needed to go to uh, the local college library to do a little bit of work. Um, She did phone her close friend named Stephanie somewhere between 3 and 3.45, asking whether she would like to go with her um, to study and uh, gather books. Yep. Uh, Her friend refused to go, so she went alone. Shortly before Bates left her home, she phoned a co-worker at the Riverside National Bank inquiring as to whether she had left a term paper um, at work. Uh, her co-worker replied that she had not, and she replied, now I have to start all over on my note cards, and seemed agitated by this. So, she, to, so to kind of 
put you in, in, in her shoes right now. She's at home. She's deciding to go to the library to work on a term paper. Realizes that she has lost her bibliography for her term paper. That's specifically what it was. And she got kind of agitated and realized, I have to go and work on this all night. Who hasn't been there before? Um, I know I have. I was um, there last week with D&D. Oh, I had lost so all of my notes. I was just like, all right, let's wing it. Let's go. Yeah, it's super frustrating, <laughs> right? So... Um, an eyewitness report given to the Riverside investigators indicated that Bates drove her beetle in the direction of the RCC at approximately 6.10 p.m. This eyewitness also claimed her vehicle was closely followed by a bronze 1965 or 66 Oldsmobile. So that's worth noting. According to eyewitnesses, Bates studied in the library until the normal closing time of 9 p.m. So she was there from about 6.30, it sounds like, to about 9 o'clock, um, working on her term paper. Another witness statement obtained from a female um, RCC student also claimed that a young man whose age was estimated to be either 19 or 20, approximately 5 foot 11 inches in height, had been seen lurking in the shadows across the street from Bates' vehicle and had been staring in the direction of her car around the same time the library closed. Um, although this witness did not know the individual lurking within the shaded area aside from the street, aside uh Shaded areas aside the street. As she passed him, the two exchanged brief pleasantries. So they said hi to each other. Bates's father waited the entire night for his daughter to return home before filing a missing persons report with the Riverside Police Department at 5.43 a.m. So how about this? This, this? this stood out to me because clearly the father was actually worried because he waited and it got... This sounds like he sat up all night waiting for his daughter to come home. She didn't show up, so he pretty much immediately went and filed a missing persons report, which, go dad... Um, I mean, that's, that's pretty quick that's to go so file. That's so rare. It, it is super rare. That's the reason I want to call it out. So yeah. here's what I'm going to say. When you have a loved one or someone like that who goes missing, I, I watch these shows and I'm like, I would immediately go report it. And let's be clear. Yeah. A lot of people think that you can't report it for the first 24 or 48 hours. And that's not true it's anymore. Bogus. Totally yeah. bogus. Yeah. It used to be like a rule, but yeah. it's for the most part in most places, not a thing. So if you know someone who's going gone missing, you don't know where they are and you've done everything else, reporting them to the police isn't a bad thing. Yeah, do it sooner rather than later. The quicker it's reported, the better off you're going to be. Even if you annoy your friend because they were just hanging out at someone's house, that's better than taking a chance, right? Yeah. So I say report it as quickly as possible because uh, based on last episode, sometimes the police mess up. Let's leave it at that. All right. <laughs> Awkward silence. Um, you don't have any... So, Kelsey literally just did the Kermit the Frog sipping her tea type of thing over here <laughs> to, to put you in the room. Listen, um, I'm going to need cops to, like, save me someday. I, like... Yeah. I'm not going to comment. Yeah. It's, we love police. Then, then 10 out of I. 10. All right. He filed this report shortly after phoning Bates' close friend, Stephanie, um, in the early morning hours, only to be informed that his daughter was not at her residence and uh, had intended to study at the RCC library the previous evening, having held no plans to spend the evening away from home. At, at approximately 6.28 a.m. on the morning of October 31st, a groundskeeper named Cleophus Martin discovered Bates' body on the grounds of the RCC. So... 
this is going to be a really interesting one to talk about because for a long time this went on as a as a true cold case as an open case there were a lot of people including some police investigators who attributed what we're about to talk about to the zodiac but there were a lot of people that also did not um and the potential the potential suspect um to be the zodiac is directly um, related to this bates was found sprawled face down on a gravel path between two unoccupied, uh, unoccupied, unoccupied houses on Terracina Drive, close to the library parking lot where she had parked her Beetle the previous evening. She was still dressed in a long sleeve, pale yellow print blouse and faded red capri pants, and her woven straw bag containing both her identification and 56 cents was found alongside her body. Her clothing was undisturbed, uh, but was saturated in blood. Um, she had been repeatedly stabbed in the chest and left shoulder and suffered severe deep lash wounds to the face and neck. So what I'm going to say is this, and what a lot of people won't talk about, the severe slash wound to the neck was so severe that it almost severed her head. What? Yeah, it almost severed her head. So it was a when I say severe, I mean it was it was severe. By the way, do you ever get like this feeling in the pit of your stomach when you hear what a person had on them when they died? I don't know. Is that just me? Like when you hear that she just had fifty six cents, I just immediately like just just like oh man, this is rough. You could actually do something with fifty six cents back in the sixties. Oh yeah, you could like buy a car with that back then. I, I only mean, have I only have fifty six cents. Is that enough to put a down payment on my new car? Yes, it is. Of course, that's how um, she was paying for college. Yeah, you know what? This rich bitch. I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing my mind. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm trying to inject some humor in this because th- this one bothers me. I'm just going to admit it. Like, uh, yeah, I was pretty bothered by the last one I did, so I yeah, totally understand. I mean, it's, it's like you 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 kind of. You, you get some of these victims and there's something about, like, have you ever, have you ever like read something about a victim and something just hits so close to home? Like it reminds you of a friend, it reminds you of something like, like I remember when I was in college, um, having, you know, call, calling friends and being like, Hey, let's go hang out at the library and work on stuff. You know what I mean? Right. And it just hits me. I'm like, what would I have done if I had invited my friend to the library and she left and got murdered? You know what I mean? Like it would just, it would yeah. just, it would, it would, it would, it would just be too rough. Um, so ten feet from Bates's body, investigators discovered a cheap paint spattered Timex brand wristwatch with a seven inch circumference, along with a footprint of a show of a shoe. Sorry, produced by a Leavenworth prisoners uh, sold solely in military outlets uh so this was a this was a, sh- a shoe a type of shoe that was only sold to military personnel is that the same size shoe that we heard about in the last episode i would have to double check that but it's very similar it, yes. it was close if not yeah, the same very very close um so uh the shoe size was between eight and ten inches although um only five foot three inches in height uh bates had been an athletic woman uh both an examination of the crime scene and bates's subsequent autopsy revealed ample evidence of what they con- what they consider ferocious physical struggles uh between bates and her murder um 
having evidently scratched her assailant's arm, face, and head and torn off his wristwatch. So she beat this dude senseless while he was killing her. Um, I still find it really bizarre that no yeah. one like saw this dude. Or heard anything. Uh, it, it's so odd. It really is. Yeah, but like you don't think, especially in the 60s when that wasn't like a super common thing, Yeah, that you wouldn't have seen some dude walking into the supermarket or convenience store and he looks like someone just beat the ever-living shit out of him and no one thought, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I... Yeah, it's it's so odd. Um, so Bates's beetle was parked just seventy five yards east of the location where her body was discovered. The ignition wiring of the vehicle had been deliberately pulled loose, but the ignition key was in place, and both driver's side and passenger side windows were partly rolled down. Three library books on the subject of United States government were laying on the front seat, and several smeared, greasy palm prints and fingerprints were found upon the vehicle. Investigators would determine these prints did not belong to Bates or any of her friends or relatives, and believe it belonged to her murderer. So what they think happened was that the killer saw her park, was likely following her, um, had likely chosen her, uh, to be a victim. Now, whether it's because of a prior relationship, whatever it is, um, it feels very personal to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but especially the poem that we talked about last episode, which we will talk about again, um, seems very personal to me, uh, potentially. Was she um, wearing a red dress? She, she was, was wearing her? red capris. Okay. Not a red dress, but a but red capris. Gotcha. And... Um, so, so basically, they think what happened is he disabled the Beetle. He got underneath the, the, the hood of the car. In this case, it would have been the motors in the back of a Beetle. And um, basically um, unplugged the ignition wiring so it wouldn't start. And when is she got up... easy to get to? Very, very easy, especially on an older car. So on an older okay. car, the ignition would actually sit right on top of the engine. And it would be basically your spark plug wires. So mm-hmm. basically all they would have to do is reach in and unplug your spark plug wires. On a new car, it would be significantly harder than that. Because new cars use what are called coil packs. So old cars, the ignition coil sat in a separate location and mm-hmm. had... Um, had uh, spark plug wires that came off of it. New cars, the ignition coil is built into the actual wire itself, and it goes right into the spark plug area. So on new cars, they're generally bolted into place, so you would actually have to get in there and like unbolt it to get it to do anything. Instead of just popping it out like a fuse. On old cars, you could literally just pop them off the spark plugs, or all that held the ignition, um, basically the coil in place would be these two little straps you can just pop off with your hands and pull it off. Um, it would be very, very easy to do. Gotcha. Super, super easy. As a person who knows nothing about cars, I didn't even know that the engine was in the back of the Beetle. So. Yeah, Beetles, they're, they're <laughs> in the back. Yeah, so the, the front... The, uh, the Good front, thing you're here. The front hood of a Beetle, uh, the, the hood on the front of the car is actually the trunk, technically. It's where your storage is. Why? And the motor is in the back. Because uh, Hitler designed it that way. I don't know why. Hitler. What if what if that was just our response to a lot of things like ah, Hitler did it? It's, fine. Um, it's like thanks Obama, but yeah, Hitler did it. Who knows? Who knows why he did it? Um, who knows why Hitler did did what he did? Millie's old enough. She's asking me questions. Why is this this way? Because Hitler designed it like that. I don't know what you want from me. How Hitler did it? Shut up. Um, <laughs> 
Well, this got off the rails. Um, you tuned in to hear about the Zodiac, and now we're talking about all the things Hitler fucked up. Um, Especially the Volkswagen. Just, mostly the Volkswagen is what we're angry about. Um, we do not endorse Hitler on... on uh, <laughs> Corpse. We do not. Or any of our affiliated podcasts, including Proud Me. We would not be talking shit on the Beatle if we did. All right. So, <laughs> what people think happened is that the killer likely followed her, watched her until she walked in, and waited until there was nobody around, um, opened the engine compartment, disabled the car, and waited for her to come out. So they believe, because the windows were down, that she likely came out, her keys were in the ignition, she tried to start the car, and somebody, the killer, came up, offered to help her, mm -hmm. and that's when he was able to um, strike. So that's that's kind of the, that's the a general Bundy level. It is. And and it's it's it is Bundy level and it also does not reek of something that the Zodiac killer we know would do. I mean mm -hmm. the Zodiac killer seemed way more spontaneous than that. Um to me, anyway. I mean, the ca I guess the cab murders say otherwise, uh, because he did like take time to try to clean up the scene and do all that. But um, even then, it seemed messy, right? This yeah. doesn't seem messy. This seems, to me, again, this seems personal. This seems like I need her to be stranded, uh, so we can, so I can try to talk to her or something like that. Who knows? More like a stalker, and less like an actual like serial murderer. Yeah. Exactly. So now we're going to kind of get into the autopsy of, of her body um, and talk a little bit about what they found. So an autopsy revealed that Bates had been rep uh, repeatedly kicked in the head in addition to having received two stab wounds to her chest inflicted by a knife estimated to be one and a half inches wide and um, three and a half inches in length. Her left cheek, upper lip, hands, and arms were also cut. Um with uh, three slash wounds around her throat, having severed her jugular vein and larynx. Uh, larynx? Did mm -hmm. I say that? That is. Um, oops. And almost decapitating her completely. Oh, jeez. So, to me, what it sounds like is she fought back and someone got really, really angry and took it to a level that they didn't necessarily mean to take it to. Mm -hmm. uh, because that, that sounds like angry cutting to me. And also the kicking in the head also sounds like something that maybe the killer did after she was already dead. Uh, Does to... she look like any of our other victims? Not really. Okay. Not that I've noticed. I mean... Well, I mean, you'd notice if it was a bunch of girls with blonde hair and that was cut short, like... Yeah, that's it... interesting to go check. Maybe we should look at that. Because uh, maybe that would... Well, so, <laughs> since it was two years before everything, I mean, maybe that was a personal kill for him, if it was him. I mean, this is her, and she she's, she's you know, a yeah. very, very pretty young lady. Uh, yeah. We'll put up the picture. Um, I, I would prefer to focus on the victim in this case, because I am... Uh, I am blown away by how hard she fought because everything I've read said that that she did not go down without a fight. I mean, this girl, this girl left left the killer filling it afterwards. So I have a lot of respect for her. Um, and maybe we'll we'll make her our you know main picture 
uh, when we go to put yeah, the stuff for out. Sure. Because, yeah, she was, uh, you know, a real, just a, like I said, you can tell she was a fighter from what you heard. But that's a really interesting comment because I've, I've never thought to go look at the other um, victims. I've seen them before, but it's been a moment. I'm sure somebody has made like a like a composite that has all of them on it or something like that. Um, but yeah, so Bates evidently um, laid uh, upon the ground when she received the knife wounds to her upper shoulder and uh, neck. For, furthermore, she had not been subjected to any form of sexual assault or robbery. Numerous fragments of skin and brown hair were recovered from beneath the fingernails of her upper right hand. This evidence, um, having um, evidently been collected uh, beneath her nails as she clawed at her assailant in a desperate effort to defend herself. Uh, the ground surrounding the body was described in her official autopsy as looking like freshly plowed filled. That's how hard she kicked and fought. Um, on November 4th, 1966, she was laid to rest at the Crestlawn Memorial Park in Riverside. Her parents, older brother, and several hundred other mourners were present at the service. So we're going to get more into that here in just a moment. But now we have... Oof. Yeah, none of them look even remotely no, the same. not even close. Not even close. I mean, I mean, you could, if you wanted to pick out similarities, you could, but... Not any that would stand out. I mean, the only thing that seems similar in any of them is they were all in couples. Yeah. Except... Except her. Her. And the, the cab, cab drivers. drivers. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, there you have it, guys. Um, there is uh, the murder. So, now I want to talk about where they started to tie this into the... Um, the uh, the Zodiac. So one month after Bates' murder, two identical typewritten letters arrived at RPD headquarters um, and the editorial offices of the Press Enterprise. So here we go. There is your there's your first tie. So this this, this part reeks of the Zodiac. Um, so. One month after the murder, so well before 1968, two letters showed up at RPD headquarters and the editorial offices of the Press Enterprise. The off the uh, sorry the author of the letters described in detail a likely scenario as to how Bates had been lured from her vehicle and subsequently murdered. The author described in detail how he had first disabled Bates' car before allegedly watching her attempt to switch on the ignition until the vehicle battery had drained of power. He then offered her assistance, claiming his own vehicle was further down the street, luring her away from the vehicle. According to the author of the letter, after the two had walked a short distance from her car, he had stated to her, it's about time. Bates had replied, about time for what? To which he simply replied, about time for you to die. Oh, Jesus. Uh-huh. According to the author, he had then clasped his hands over her mouth and pressed a knife against her neck before forcing her to walk uh, to a dimly lit alley where he had proceeded to beat and kick Bates in their initial struggle before stabbing and slashing her to death. The victim of the letters claimed to have known his victim, proclaiming, Only one thing was on my mind making her pay for the brush-offs that she had given me during the years prior. 
Due to the fact that the letters included details on the murder, which had not been released to the press, including the fact that the ignition coil and middle wire of the distributor of Bates' vehicle had been disabled, um, investigators initially believed that the author of the letter may have been the actual murderer. Although, later advances in forensic technology, such as DNA retrieved from the letter, did not match the DNA retrieved beneath Bates' fingerprints, making it really unlikely. So... Yeah, they eventually were able to test the skin and hair found under the fingerprints um, against the DNA found on the letter, and it didn't match. But the letter had all of the information that the cops had not released to the public and seemed very, very legitimate. Sorry, legitimate. So it is, uh, it's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. So some more potential links to the Zodiac Killer. Um, again, it's hypothesized that Bate may have been an early victim, perhaps the first victim of the identified serial killer um, active in Northern California and called the Zodiac Killer. Um, and this was unidentified um, for a long time. Uh, for a while, it went on and on and on. And as I said last episode, they finally kind of got the two police forces together and figured out there were some serious similarities, um, including the really, really interesting um, desk uh, drawing, which I will show right. you again. Uh, not drawing, but the, the, the poem <laughs> scribbled on the desk, which looks a lot like what was drawn on the side of that door. It is. Looks it's really very, similar. very similar. So this this is all leading to one thing. The developments in 2001. All right. So here we have what I wanted to get to. So let's get <laughs> right to it. I almost gave this away just now because I had the name and I was like, no, stop it. Don't say that. Um, <laughs> in August of 2021. The RPD's cold case unit published an update regarding the handwritten correspondence, again, stating that the author of the letters claiming responsibility for Bates' murder um, had been identified via DNA analysis in 2020 and um, had admitted writing the correspondence. According to the update, the author had initially and anonymously contacted investigators in 2016, explaining that the correspondence had been simply a distasteful hoax. So in 2021, um, they revealed that they did identify who wrote the letter, um, and the letter was written as a hoax. The individual expressed remorse and apologized for the hoax, saying that he had been a troubled teenager at the time, and that he had written and mailed letters as means of seeking attention. So the letter was discovered to be a hoax. I mean, that's what I did as a troubled teenager. Exactly. Super angsty me was just like, you know what? I'm going to take credit for some murders today. <laughs> Sounds like a good thing to do on a Saturday. Uh, all my friends are watching football. I'm going to try to get arrested for some murders. So in October of 2021, and this is where it gets good. A group of retired police officers, intelligence officers, and journalists claimed to have solved Bates' murder. And they claimed it was linked to the Zodiac murders and that the perpetrator in both cases was a man named Gary Francis Post. Among evidence cited as the basis for their claims was the fact that Post was a painter by profession, which would explain the paint spattered upon the Timex watch found at the crime scene, um, that Post was receiving medical treatment um, at March Air Force Base for an accidental gunshot wound at or around the time of Bates' death, and this location was 15 minutes 
from the site of Bates' murder, and that Post had brown hair, which could be a match for the um, the fragments of uh, hair found under Bates's fingernails. So the theory has been met with some really harsh skepticism from the RPD. Um, according to TMZ, so take that for <laughs> what it is, the group claimed um, the RPD had refused their request to submit samples of the hair found beneath Bates's fingernails to DNA testing. However, the RPD has denied any such request was actually received. The RPD maintained that there is no evidence linking Bates um, to the later Zodiac murders and that they strongly believe um, the murderer was a native of Riverside County. So now let's talk about let's talk about our uh, our gentleman here, Mr. Post, because this guy is a real piece of shit. Um, and I want to get into that right now. I don't know how else to put that because um, this guy is this guy is interesting. So first of all, I'm going to give you some updates that I found via a news article, just some basic information about um, about what the investigators found and why they believe that Mr. Post is our killer. So a team of specialists who investigate cold cases says that it's identified the Zodiac Killer, one of America's most prolific serial killers who terrorized communities in San Francisco in the late 1960s. The Case Breakers, a team of more than 40 law enforcement investigators, journalists, and military intelligence officers, has tackled other mysterious uh, mysterious cases such as D.B. Cooper, uh, which you know about that, right? The hijacking yeah, of D.B. Cooper. I, I yeah, I actually know a ton about that one. Yeah, which I is know really, nothing about anything, but D.B. Really Cooper. Really interesting one, yeah, because it's freaking interesting. It is. Yeah. But you, you know that they found out who he was. It was actually Loki from the Marvel movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> the disappearance uh, they also have looked into the disappearance of uh, former la labor union boss Jimmy Hoffa and other unsolved cases so the Zodiac Killer has been connected to five murders that occurred from 68 to 69 uh, as we all know the Zodiac taunted authorities with complex ciphers and letters sent to newspapers and law enforcement agencies um, and now they say they have identified the Zodiac Killer as Gary Francis Post, who passed away in 2018. The team's years of digging uncovered new forensic evidence and photos from Post's darkroom. One image features scars on the forehead of Post that perfectly match the scars on the sketch of the Zodiac Killer. I mildly disagree with this, because I'm going to show you their evidence... And I okay. do not think that it perfectly matches. I think they are reaching a little bit. So I'm showing Kelsey right now the image of the... It's pretty freaking close, though. It's pretty close. I mean, it's pretty close, but there are a lot of people that have wrinkled foreheads. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, no, you're not you wrong. Know. It's pretty close. I mean, especially since... That just looks like some guy. Exactly. So <laughs> what I'm showing Kelsey right now, we're going to share. I'll send this to you. I'll send all of these to you so you yeah. have them. So what I'm showing her right now is the initial sketch uh, of the Zodiac Killer um, and a picture of Mr. Post where you can see the forehead wrinkles um, 
I don't know how. I don't think they're that. scars. They're just yeah. Forehead they're wrinkles. just forehead wrinkles. Um, here is another picture where they claim it's him, but again, I'm I'm just I think they're grasping at straws here. Ah, uh, yes, some guy. It, it just it, to me it doesn't it doesn't seem likely to me. I I again we will share these. Sorry about that. I had a news yeah. article about Russia pop up in the middle of my screen. Um, but um, I'll share these with you. We can put them up the and news we can is different. we can let our viewers decide. Um, yeah. And here's the thing. The two that I just now showed you, I showed you those two purposefully because they also have a picture of him wearing black rimmed glasses. And when you see the black rimmed glasses, you're like, oh, my God, it looks like black rimmed glasses. But everybody wore black rimmed glasses back then. You're so, wearing black rimmed glasses right exactly. now. It's and, you. And you, if someone were to see you at night, they may think that you have black rimmed glasses on, right? Correct. So just because someone's wearing black rimmed glasses doesn't, doesn't mean that they're the Zodiac They're a killer. serial killer. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't see enough <laughs> similarities here. Oh, it explains the early 2000 emos you know, so well, though. Yeah, so it, it just doesn't, the, the picture thing doesn't hold up to me. When I see that, I'm like, um, okay. Now, I'm going to say that here in a minute, I'm going to get into all of the reasons why he's a horrible piece of shit, because he is. He's crazy. I mean, he's he's out there. But I don't think he's the Zodiac Killer. I, I don't know. I, I just don't My know. My mom has a conspiracy theory. Oh, what's your mom's cons- conspiracy theory? All right. Please, So share. I brought it up when this happened the same way I did with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, well, that's awfully convenient, don't you think? And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, he died two and a half years ago. I said, okay. She goes, of course they're going to blame him now. They weren't going to blame him as soon as he died. But two years after, he's a scapegoat. He's someone who's high-ranking in the government somewhere. And that that's why he has yet to be caught. Okay. It's not the worst conspiracy theory I've ever heard. Listen, there are... Um, it seems like every time there's there's a high-profile serial killer, there's there's always that... I go to that, too, sometimes. Especially when they can't find him. Like, Jack the Ripper... I'll do a whole episode about Jack the Ripper, but leading up to everything that we currently know about Jack the Ripper, there were a lot of people that thought the only way he could get away with it is if he were the son of someone really famous, really high-ranking in the government, something like that. But I I, I don't think that's as far-fetched as as what some people would. Um, No, no. I still think think the lizard people thing is... By far, a weirder conspiracy theory. Yeah, also very true, though. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, we have lizard folks. We have to have a whole show on the lizard people. Oh, we yeah, we could we could do that. You want to go down conspiracy theories? We'll do that all day. Ooh, um, I've this got show just like got a, interesting. Yeah. But um, I think it's far more likely that the police just screwed this up beyond belief. Um, and just not at all. Unlike the Girl Scout murders. Oh, dude, that one's still, I'm following that closely. Like anytime I see an update, I watch. Are there any updates? Not really, but I'm Mm. I'm following like the reddits that I can find where people talk about it and everything just to see if anything pops up that stands out to me. All right. So let's talk about some other clues other than the, the picture, which is not at all convincing to me. I don't know. It's just not. 
Um, other clues include deciphering letters sent by Zodiac that revealed him as the killer, said Jim Buckholtz, um, a former Army counterintelligence agent who works on cold cases. Um, in one note, the letters in one note the letters of Post's name were removed to reveal an alternate message. Um, so you've got so they said, and this is a quote. So you've got to know Gary's full name in order to decipher these anagrams. Um, it just uh, I just don't think there's any other way anybody could have figured it out. So they're claiming that they had to use his name to decipher um, an anagram that was sent by the Zodiac. The team believes Post also killed Sherry Jo Bates, October 31st, 1966, hundreds of miles south uh, from San Francisco, two years before the first Zodiac killing. So uh, they also claim, again, that the cipher had to have Post's name in order to be solved. Um, the following year, authorities received a handwritten letter that led investigators to believe uh, the killings may be linked to the Zodiac Killer. In 2016, investigators received an anonymous typed letter from someone who admitted to writing the earlier note, saying it was a sick joke. We already know about that. So, um, again, guys, what I'm going to say here is their evidence, and if I missed any evidence, just tell me, their evidence against him seems flimsy at best. Um, I would need to read a little bit more about the anagrams uh, that they, or the, yeah, the, the cipher and stuff like that, that they had to use his name to figure out. But I just don't know about this. Um, so this is what they think <clears throat> was evidence enough to say that he was the murderer. And again, I could have easily missed some evidence, but when I went through this earlier, I didn't see any more. So I don't know. What do you think? After that. So they're saying they had to have his name to solve one of the ciphers. And they're saying that his forehead wrinkles match the wrinkles in the uh, the, the the drawing. So, Okay, well, um, I feel like there are other names that could have been utilized in a similar way um, to do the exact same thing. But, I mean, they probably are maybe on to something using a name to figure out the cipher because like he did say if you figure this out you're gonna know the name yeah. like I, I i don't know like i said it just um <clears throat> i don't know i i just i just don't know <clears throat> I, so uh, i don't know about the forehead wrinkle thing that's the forehead wrinkle thing that's a stretch for me a big time it's like when you take a command strip off the wall mm -hmm. and it just keeps going but won't come off. Like, it's yeah. that kind of a stretch. Exactly. So, here's the other thing I want to talk about. And this is a story that was broke by the New York Post on November 26th. So, not that long ago. Not so, that this long year? Ago. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, so this is, this is some brand new stuff that I found out. And I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this article just pretty much verbatim <laughs> because I don't know how else I could do this. I am gonna give a trigger warning really quickly. This article that I'm about to read involves some depictions or some. Uh, I'm gonna read some stuff that is very detailed about the killing of animals. I'm sorry, Kelsey. I know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to make you sad, but. I'm going to do it because you have to understand how big of a piece of shit this guy really was. So this is a story about Gary Francis Post 
and his posse of thrill kill assassins. That's literally the name of the article in the New York Post. What? Yeah. So, <laughs> so this gentleman who was brought up, um, Gary Francis Post, as the possible Zodiac killer uh, because they found his name in a uh, in a cipher, or they used his name to decipher something that the Zodiac killer had sent. And um, so does he that could, mean three of his cipher? No, two. That would that'll be two I think, now, right? Yeah, I, or maybe one, that is the one that was. Uh-uh, no, no, okay, I don't think so. Well, they're claiming they solved it with his name, uh, but again, I, I I don't know about that. And then the forehead wrinkles, my God! Any lots of people have. I could walk around Clarksburg for fifteen minutes and find you someone who might be the Zodiac based on forehead wrinkles. I mean, my God. Um, <laughs> I mean. You've got a pretty good shot of finding someone who actually is the Zodiac in the middle of right Clarksburg, here. though. Yeah. So, so, um, so let's let's jump into this. So, this is going to be a story about Gary Francis Post and how he led a posse of thrill kill assassins. So, by the way, let's talk really quickly about what tied Post to the potential murder of Sherry. Um, it was the Timex watch with spattered paint on it because he was a painter and it was the fact that he was uh, visiting a local military base around the same time of the murders. Uh, That's all I've really seen that would tie it there. Um, So Gary Francis Paste, the Air Force veteran turned house painter who may or may not have been the notorious Zodiac killer, has been revealed um, as the ringleader of a group of men trained as killing machines. A team of 40 private investigators claimed last month that they've unmasked Post as the Zodiac Killer who terrorized the Bay Area. Now through through photos and anagram code breaks. Um, So now they tell the Post that after these murders, Post led a bizarre double life in the small Sierra Nevada town. The Zodiac mysteriously dropped out of sight in 1974, um, as we all know. Post moved to Groveland, California in 1970, according to Thomas J. Colbert, who runs the Case Breakers team, consisting of former cops, forensic analysts, academics, and retired military, um, and has been working on um, cases for about 10 years. Um, He came, uh, sorry, working on this case for about 10 years. Um, He came to the High Sierra Sound after marrying a woman who he had a young child with. Um, the alleged killer fronted a mild manner, fronted as a mild mannered house painter, um, as well, and was well liked by locals. Um, but he began recruiting young men in their late teens and early twenties as his own personal criminal gang in the picturesque mountain town about 26 miles west of Yosemite. Some 10 men were part of what the locals call the posse, and they stayed loyal to Post for decades until he died in 2018. He would take them deep in the mountains where they learned to hike and kill, Colbert said. He taught them how to turn a pipe bomb into a bomb that would literally blow up a house, Colbert claims. Um, If new cops moved to town, he would have the posse throw rocks through their windows to get them to move out. He was involved in loaning guns out to suicidal townspeople. Um, According to Colbert, um, the men would go on hiking trips to the mountains and kill animals for fun. I will leave the next part out and continue um, for you. Appreciate it. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really descriptive, I assume. It is very descriptive and very oh, sad. Um, he, Yeah, they, they killed some bears. We'll leave it at that. He described Post as the... Um, as the childlike uh, gang leader from Oliver Twist, who rounded up local wayward boys, Colbert added um, that there was no indication that Post had a sexual interest or sexual relationships oh, with God the young men. Thank God for that. Men. One posse member, who Colbert identified only as Will, fled Groveland in 2010 after seeing sketches of the Zodiac Killer and confronting Post. So one member of the gang says he confronted him about being the Zodiac Killer and then fled town. Um, which, again, seeing the pictures, I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, it just seems... Maybe he just looked different in person? Maybe in person he looked like the Zodiac Killer. I don't know. Um, yeah. So uh, former Air Force Captain Han Smits met Will, whose real name is Chris Avery, when Avery went uh, to the Santa Cruz TV station to report post. Smits was friends with a TV anchor, Del Julen, at the station at the time. Uh, Julen, now an anchor in Savannah, had researched the Zodiac case for years after meeting Avery and learning Post's name and claimed to have cracked some of the cryptograms using his name. Jolin also filed affidavits in court saying a Groveland man, Chris Avery, had told him that Post had confessed to him that he was the Zodiac Killer. Again, this all just seems like hearsay to me. Um, yeah. But the fact that he, he had a, a posse that went out and did all this Neat. stuff is... You know, very, very interesting. So there are a few other things about this that I do want to say. So when talking about Avery, they said he just doesn't have a conscience. Um, he would just kill indiscriminately. Um, we, he couldn't stop after he came up here. Um, he had to continue to kill even if it was small animals just to make himself feel better. Of course, he did end up killing other people. That's what they said about him. Um, I will also say that he also... Um, pushed his wife down the stairs in 2016 and was arrested for that. And, uh, yeah, just, just a real piece of shit. Um, so this guy, while, uh, again, a piece of shit, I, I don't know that anything screams to me that he was the Zodiac Killer, other than people saying he was the Zodiac Killer. Here's the thing, like, if he was so good at being the Zodiac Killer, don't you think he'd be better at hiding it? <laughs> yeah, you would think so. Like um... Yeah. And not just have a posse? Yeah. Now, they, they do say, apparently, that he did get into a drunk driving accident at the age of 20 when he was working at an Air Force radar station near Rockville, Illinois. Um, he was a passenger in a Jeep that slammed into a railroad tunnel wall, killing the driver. Uh, both young airmen were drunk, um, and that's when he was scarred on his forehead and had to have teeth pulled because of his injury. So... Apparently, those were scars on his head. I mean, here's a picture of him older. And again, they don't look like scars to me. They just look like forehead wrinkles. He just looks like he is very serious. Yeah. Yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, I just don't... I, I think the pictures of him old look more like the sketch than yeah, me the too. younger pictures. Same. Um, he died in 2018. And um, <laughs> that's, that's it. I mean... That I remember when the story broke. Um, the story it was it was really um, <clears throat> flashy headlines saying that they had caught the Zodiac killer. But I just to me it sounds like a whole bunch of hearsay, and it sounds like uh, it sounds like they didn't to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, unless they 
And they have to have prints still. So, And he was in the Air Force, so they have to have his prints. There has uh-huh. to be a way to, to I don't try know, to tie compare those. And again, I, I will point out that apparently they are trying to get DNA evidence. Because, uh, again, when Sherry was killed, she had um, skin and right. hair under her fingernails. And this group that's claiming he's the, the killer has claimed that they've reached out to police to get samples so they can do a DNA test, and they claim the police have said no. The police, on the other hand, are claiming that no such request has been made. Well, regardless, the police might not want to release it because once you utilize the sample, that sample's gone, and that could be the last of what they got. Yeah, exactly. So, So, I mean, I think they might want a little bit more than just... This this man has forehead wrinkles. Yeah, forehead wrinkles... And we think his name can be used to fil- to figure out one of these ciphers. Yeah. Um, so I, so I, that's two that have been solved, though. Yeah, I'm going to look that up and see exactly how many have. Maybe we should do a follow-up to this. Because what I would like to do, because again, you're going to notice if you guys go search, there is a mountain of information about this. Um, I'm going to go through more. I went through everything I could <laughs> preparing for this. And the information is just everywhere and all over the place. So I guarantee you, somewhere along the way, I have missed something here. Um, And if I have, please tell me. Um, I tried to use nothing but news articles um, that I could could find to kind of piece together why they think he's the Zodiac killer um, and and why they think he killed Sherry, which the, the killing of Sherry actually kind of makes more sense than him being the mm-hmm. Zodiac killer. Because, again, I get the Timex watch uh, covered in paint. Right. Um, I get that he was ex-military. I get that he was at that base close by, all that stuff. Um, the letter was a hoax, so the letter no longer ties it to the Zodiac. Yeah. Right? So the letter was a hoax, so that that goes nowhere. Um I'm but, still unconvinced yeah. that the Zodiac was military because I do think he would have used military time. Yeah, I know that that's like just a really small thing to cling on to. I get it though. But it's yeah. so natural. Like even like my grandpa still uses military time and yeah. he's in his 80s. He hasn't been in the military in a very long time. Yeah. And I will say this too. The other thing that kind of makes me think maybe he's not military is the fact that he was using someone someone who's someone who's military would understand how to effectively kill somebody and they would have to know that those small cards the small rounds like that just are not the most effective devices to kill well Um, and they also more than likely wouldn't be wasting a bunch of ammunition by shooting people six seven times like yeah yeah, and that, so that's the other thing that makes people think he may be military <laughs> is because of him, uh, Mr. Post, um, who they think could have been the killer, who, again, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. I am unconvinced. If you listen to this and you're like, Matt, you're totally wrong. Tell me how I'm wrong. Um, I would love to hear from you. Um, yeah, we don't do this because we think we're actually going to like make it anywhere. We do it just because we really enjoy having an excuse to look up all this stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's wild. I mean, the Zodiac thing... Um, it feels like the it feels like kind of uncovering the true history of people who have looked into the zodiac and researched it is really hard because for every legitimate claim there are 300 claims that someone knows who they are and it just feels like people throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks mm-hmm. it doesn't feel legitimate to me um, but again i could be wrong if they find later on that that 
you know, Post was the Zodiac Killer, then I stand corrected. But um, I haven't seen any evidence that that makes me think he is. Sorry if that's a letdown to anyone, but um, I just don't see it. I don't know. All right, that's all I have. So I think we're done. I think so, too. Yeah, I think he was more like a Moriarty. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah, he was. He definitely he was, was looking for someone smart enough to actually figure out who he was. He, he was the Riddler. <laughs> he was the Joker. How he was exciting. the Riddler. I mean, it's how else do you put it? I mean, he he clearly was. To me, he three things stand out about the Zodiac: extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes a little. Not, I'm going to say sometimes a lot messy. Uh, he left a lot of stuff that today would get you caught immediately. Uh, for instance, and I don't know if I mentioned this, the cab driver that he killed, did mm-hmm. I mention that they found his like gloves laying in the yeah, car and you stuff did. like that? Yeah. So they found his gloves and everything laying well, in the car. But you messy. said they were leather gloves, right? Yeah. His fingerprint should have been on the inside yeah, of them. Very messy. So very intelligent, very messy, and very egotistical. Um, oh yeah, he's a narcissist oh, for sure. For sure, yeah. But the but the type of narcissist that you can't you can't help but want to have like that back and forth with to try to figure out who it is, right? Right. Um, I would not be surprised that later on we find out, you know, fifty years from now that those ciphers were so hard to decrypt because they were just stupid. Um, I would love to find out that that's the case. I'm going to read the article that you sent me, um, unless you want to go over it now. We can. Um, go um, ahead. Go for it. You've so got an article pulled up about it. I do, because I was thrilled when this came out, too. Um, so, three amateur code breakers are the ones who figured this out. They aren't even, like, professionals. These are just three people who knew each other and were bored during the pandemic, basically, Um, One is a software developer, there's a computer programmer, and a mathematician. And they managed to figure out and decode one of his messages. And what it said was, I hope you're having lots of fun trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. Because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. And the TV show the message refers to is the Jim Dunbar show. It was a Bay Area television show, um, and the cipher was sent two weeks after a person claiming to be the Zodiac called into the show. Um... And one of the things about him, and I'm sure you guys know this, is he thought that everyone that he killed would be mm-hmm. his slave when he died. Yes. So it's it's really fascinating to me that it took us 51 years and it, a pandemic and just massive boredom to sort this out. Like, so I want to read. So I'm sure there's a there's articles about how they deciphered it because I want to know. Like, whether it was just something that was missed before, what they had to use to decipher it. I mean, it seems really, really interesting to me. Is there any information about how they deciphered it? Um, so, they detailed the process for cracking it on their website and in a YouTube video. Um, they use spec- uh, specifically developed decryption software. And they said a little bit of luck 
to make the connection (laughs) that um, ended up breaking it. But yeah, there's he has a website and a YouTube video all about it. And he says, we got really lucky and found one that had part of the answer, but it wasn't obvious. So they ended up using 650,000 variations of the message to try to sort it out. Whoa. Okay. So, yeah, that's... It's really, really fascinating, and that's why he's so interesting, because he left behind all of this stuff that we don't have a prayer as regular, everyday people of solving. Unless you just got lucky. Like like they said. I mean, a lot of it is just luck. And a lot of the reason that he he was still at large is literally just luck. Mm Mm-hmm. And a little racism. (laughs) Luck and a little racism. It was a bit... You know what? That seems to be about. Yeah, we just saw we just saw a white guy who's about five ten, five eleven, kill someone. You said young black man. All right, I'm on it. Uh, that's, <laughs> like that's how I imagine that whole conversation went. And wow. that's exactly how it went for the Girl Scouts. Ah, mm. oh, Camp Scott. I keep talking about that. Ugh. All right, so guys, this says. This has been a really interesting two-part episode. I hope you had fun listening to it. Um, a lot of it was just me trying to uh, trying to work out some of the uh, some of the information I've had um, just kind of spinning around in my brain about uh, about the zodiac and about these new updates. I got so excited. Um, and by the way, I totally did read that. When you read that off to me, I was like, I've read this, so I must have read that article because uh, when you read it, I was like, I've heard this before, um, and I, I definitely you read the did. article. And- and missed the entire totally like, forgot about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that and it's like the thing with the thing with uh, with posting and and all of that. It's it's so hard for me to say that that would that that that's a le- a legitimate claim that he could potentially be because nothing about that makes any sense um, to me. And, and again, I could be completely wrong on this, but I'm upset because I got so excited about it. And then once I read through everything, the only thing that I got excited about was the fact they had a thrill kill posse of assassins. You know what I mean? Which sound more like just some dudes who went in the woods and killed bears. I don't know. I like to think they did it like with their bare hands, though. They definitely didn't. Well, no doubt. But yeah, I, like, won't, I won't give you the. the I don't need details, any details but, yeah. about it. We don't want any bears listening to be upset. Yeah. So if you're a bear and you heard that and we didn't give you a uh, uh, trigger warning. And by the way, we're talking about the animal bear. N- no. Yeah. Not yeah. like not like you and Michael. Yeah. Not like me and Michael. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this has been Main Corpse. And uh, I hope you guys had fun listening. So remember, you can always find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other spots where you can find great podcasts. Um, Stay creepy, guys. Stay creepy. Join us in a couple of weeks here for your creeps and eats.